Thank you for tuning into this teaching. We hope this message blesses you. Our mission as Marigold Church is to do anything and everything so that anyone and everyone can encounter the real Jesus. We hope as you listen to this, you encounter the real Jesus. Let him transform your mind, transform your heart, and encounter you today. We've been, we've been talking about Exodus, and we've been going through Exodus and just, and just trying to, to navigate the, the journey of Moses. Moses goes through a journey, and, and it's an interesting journey, to say the least. And the next part of where we're going to go is Exodus chapter 7 through 10, chapter 7 through 10. And in that, we're going to see the plagues, right? We see these, these massive plagues. We see people dying. We see people being tormented. We see animals dying. We see all of this bad happen. And it's at the hand of God. And so then we look at other part of Scripture, and you see God is love. God is giving. For God so loved the world, one of the disciples laid his chest, his head on the chest of Jesus, and Jesus is God, and God is Jesus, and, and, and the Holy Spirit, and they're one, and it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is the same God who was killing all these people. There, if there's like a disconnect, right? There's just like, I cannot reconcile. And so we start to make up things like, well, you know, God kind of changed and he's, but he's not, he's love. He's love all the way. And so we, to kind of take a pause and, and look and see what exactly love is. So we, we say, I love you, right? I, my dog, he comes up and kisses. I love you, but like, I don't know. You know, that's, do I really love him? I don't know. You know, will I cry if he, if, he, if he dies? Yeah, but I don't know if we'll call that love. Because I also say I love my wife. Do I love my dog the same as my wife? Maybe, I don't know. So she, she sometimes thinks, so. like, why are you not that affectionate with me? I don't know. You're just not as fluffy as he is. I don't know. You're just, but it's just, but, but there's can be this disconnect. And so when we use the word love, there's, there can be a disconnect. So I want to talk about that today. We're going to go to Ephesians, and I'm not going to read the entire portion of Ephesians like we did last week. If you didn't hear last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to that when you can. But Ephesians chapter 3, and we kind of just honed in on three verses, uh, verses 17, 18, and 19. But it says, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you, Lord God, that as we go through this today, Father, and we understand that, that this, this book of Ephesians or this letter to the Ephesians is not written to us, but definitely written for us. As we read the heart of the Apostle Paul and what he was saying and what he was trying to, to bring to the people of that time, Lord, may we just dip in that moment and catch the spirit of what he was saying to be able to walk in love in Jesus' name. Amen. 
the context of when Paul writes this is important. Paul is in prison. He's been put in prison for doing good. All right, he's doing good. He's following after the call that he has on his life. Christ has called him to do something, and he's doing that thing, and it lands him in prison. And I want you to think of this letter to the Ephesians as kind of like you are put in prison. You've got one phone call. All right, we've, we've all seen the movies. I want my phone call. What is that phone call that you're making? You know, you can write one letter. What is that letter, and who is it to? Well, this is Paul. This is his phone call. This is his letter that he writes to the faithful in the city of Ephesus. And so he's, he's writing to the Ephesians, the, the faithful followers in Ephesians. And this is his letter, his letter or his phone call. Mine would be to a lawyer. Mine would be what? Maybe to the press. Let everybody know that I am a martyr here. Get the word out. Get the boys together. Bust me out. Do something. Do some fundraising. I'm going to cash in on this deal because I've been wrongly accused. I've been, but that's not what Paul does. He writes to the faithful uh, followers in Ephesus or in Ephesians or to the Ephesians, and he says, look, this is what I want y'all to do. I need you to get in this attitude of love. I need you to understand that there's forgiveness that needs to happen between these people, but it's got to start within us first. And so this is and so that we would gain an understanding of the of the multifaceted, multidimensional, you know, array of God's love. It's not flat. And sometimes because it's not flat, it's not heart-shaped we can mistake it because love does not always look like love, does it? And it says not only that we would experience it, but that we would know the love, to know it. And, it, and it's not talking about head knowledge. In fact, it goes on to say that it's the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So how do you know something and then have something surpass that knowledge? It's you know, you can have an experience with water. Anybody been to the lake? You can have an experience with water, all right? Your inner tube can have an experience with water, right? You throw your inner tube out, you throw your floaties, whatever you're throwing out, you throw them out onto the water, and they have an experience. But to know it, to truly know it, to engage with love is so much different. That is, I'm getting in. I'm immersed in this thing, and I'm kicking it. I'm kicking against it. It's, there's, there's a tension between me and this thing called love. And so that's what he's calling us to do, is not just to experience the love, but to engage in it, to truly engage in it, to start kicking, to start swimming in it, start, you know, before you know it, you're doing the backstroke. You're doing whatever, but, but you're engaged in it. But what kind of love are we talking about? There's different kinds of love, right? There's things that we use in English, the word love for everything. Like I said, I love my dog. I love my wife. I love my kids in no particular order. 
But it's, I, I'm using the same words, right? You may love your shoes. You may love your job. You, whatever it is. But there's certain things that you just you use the word love. But obviously, you're not putting them on the same level, are you? And so we do that. We, you can love things you're not supposed to love and call it love. Some people, you know, man, I love, I don't know, getting drunk. I don't know. I, what is, like, oh, man, I, I love sleeping with all kinds of women. Like, it's just like, that, oh, oh uh, mm, I, I don't know if I would, go, okay, okay. That's a different thing, right? It's like, well, I don't think you can really say that and say you love your wife at the same time. I could be wrong. But it's just like, you're, you can't use the same word. It's different. So what is the love that we're talking about? It's a love of action. It's the only kind of love that can be commanded. It's this agape love. And it's not an eros like where it's a passion. It's not like this phileo where I, it's, it's, uh, I, I just have, there's something about you. We, we connect. Man, we like the same kind of band. We, like, we have the same hair. There's, we have the same style. There's something about us. It's nothing like that. Because those things, you can, you, can, you can kind of manipulate those things, right? But you cannot manipulate agape love. You see, I cannot command you to be passionate about something. I cannot command you to lust after something. I cannot command you to have something in common with something you don't have in common with. But I can command you to serve. And that's what this love is. It's an action. It's an action word. There's an action. Agape is a love of action. And that's why God can command it for that you love your enemies. Why? Because you don't have to engage in them the same way. Like, man, we have all this in common now. No, you're, you're becoming like the thing you hate. Oh, I, I'm so passionate about those that I hate. No, you can fake that. But what, what, what kind of love can be commanded? It's this love called agape. And last week, we, we dove into these and we kind of touched the, the, the surface on these four actions or these four aspects of love and, and these four things that, that are active, which is love gives, love guards, love corrects, Love inspires. And last week we talked about how love gives. And this week looks so much different than that. Because now we're saying love guards. And guarding something looks way different than giving. Because sometimes guarding, if you're on the, if you're on the side of the person being guarded, or even if you're the one guarding, it feels like you're not giving you're taking away. You're blocking them from something. And yet this is an action that's part of love. Love guards. We go to great lengths. This, this talking about the length of God's love. We go to great lengths for the things that we love, don't we? We guard. How many, you, you love your home. You, you just, man, I, I love my home. I, I, I lock the door. I love my kids, so we put up a fence in the yard so they don't go play in the street. 
There's certain certain guards that we put around the things that we love. I love my privacy, so I put locks in the restroom door or whatever, you know, whatever it is. There's something that you guard because you value it. We have a safe. We have a small safe that we put things that we guard and and, and we, we guard things. And it's not just like, oh, like I have a safe and it's full of cash. It's like just funny things like my birth certificate. You know, it's so old. It's just it could just needs to be protected. It could just fall apart. It's just there's things, you know, baby pictures and and all these things and you, you, you guard them, right? Because if, if a fire were to happen or something, there's, there's so many things that can be replaced, but then there's the things that you can't. And so you guard those things. You guard what you love. And we see where God guards Adam and Eve in the garden. In Genesis chapter three, he guards them. And it doesn't look like what we think it should look like. Adam and Eve, Adam sins, Eve sins. They cover themselves with fig leaves, the most uncomfortable leaf in the garden. But that's what they've got all rubbing up on their stuff. If you've ever seen a fig leaf, this little little chafing going on there. All right, not exactly Charmin's material. But that's what they cover themselves with. And, and God says, no, 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 no. Taking that off. I'm going to kill an animal and I'm going to cover you with that. I'm, I'm guarding you. Even against your own stupidity, I'm guarding you from chafing. Whatever that is. But it's guarding. There's a guarding there. And then he does something more. He kicks them out of the garden and you're like, oh, okay, well, that was a punishment. No, that was more guarding. That was more guarding. It says that, that they, were, they were removed from the garden. They were driven out from the garden. There were angels guarding the garden. In particular, they were guarding the tree of life. Because if they eat of this tree, now that they've eaten of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now they are stuck in their sin. So he's guarding them from taking that on, for getting stuck in that moment of sin. He says, no, no, no. And what is it? What it is, is they're actually that tree of life is that they're eating of the, of the presence of God. They're eating of the, a tangible presence of God. And, and here they are, they're full of sin. And we know that light and darkness have no place together. So if they eat of this, it'll kill them. What was meant to give them life would actually kill them. Just like the priests could not go into the Holy of Holies unless they were completely washed. Because if so, it would kill them. They can, he, they, Adam and Eve cannot take on this life. It would kill them. They need to be cleansed first. And so he guards them. And there's a guarding that comes with the scripture. Isn't it interesting how God could reveal himself anyway? To us today. And he reveals himself through the scripture. He reveals himself through a book full of words. And yet, what does this scripture do? It's a guarding. There's a, even a guarding within the scripture. And, and, it, and, it, and it guards us in a way, much like the way Moses, I mean, excuse me, Joseph 
was guarding his wife, Mary. Mary, I mean, imagine this, you're engaged. It says they were married, but it was actually like an engagement. They were betrothed to one another. And Mary rolls up, says, hey, Joseph, I got something to say. I'm pregnant. And here's the kicker. It was by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. So Joseph is like, all right, guy. Like, I don't know who this dude is. But I love you. And I'm even going to guard you in this. It says he, he decided to, to, to divorce her privately so that she would not be shamed. So that she, she would not be disgraced. He was guarding her, even though it appeared, for all he knew, I mean, we look at it in kind of, you know, hindsight, right? Hindsight's 2020. We get to read all about it. And, oh, wow, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Mary, oh, my gosh, I love you. You're what? Now you're going to blame the Holy Spirit? But, but he says, you know what? Okay, whatever. I don't, okay, keep your explanation. We're getting a divorce, We'll do it privately. I'm not looking to get you stoned to death. I'm not looking. Just, I just want to separate because I can't trust you. And then the angel comes. But he was, his heart was to guard her, guard her reputation, even though in appearances it didn't look like she deserved that at all. But he loved her. But the scripture does that. The scripture guards us. The scripture attempts to guard us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. What good work? Let's, instead of good work, let's, instead of saying work, let's say action. For every good action, what is the action? It's the action of love. It's the action motivated by love. So what is it doing? It's guarding you. It's correcting you. It's, it's inspiring you. It's doing all these things, preparing you for love. And then there's things that come that come with a guarding, even in the, in the local church, the way he set it up. He set up the scripture, and then he set up those to help train in the scripture. The scripture is always our guiding Guiding force. It's always, it's always the thing that that's what we measure up to or up against. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 says this, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. For what? For the work of service. For the work of action. Right? So love is action to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the, what is that? Knowledge of the Son of God. Not just to know about Him, but to have experienced Him, to have encountered Him, to engaged with Him, but and to the knowledge of, a son of, uh, of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. There's times where, where even just having in walking in love, there's, there's things that are going to happen and they don't always look like love, right? 
Because we like the giving. I like, I like receiving. I don't, I don't mind that from God. It's the guarding part. Because in the guarding, it looks like he's taking things away. And, and we, I tell this to my son. I told this to him this week. Is So many things in life where we, we live life in forward. And then we truly understand it almost in reverse. And, and there's things that I, I've, I've said. My parents are in the room now. And, and I've said that when I was a teenager, my, my parents were complete idiots. And, and then something happened. I had kids. And then they began to look like geniuses. And nothing had changed. It was like, yeah, you're, yeah, okay. There was, I mean, there was nothing to say. There was, I couldn't even hardly apologize. It was like, I, I, I okay. Because I, I should have been apologizing to me. Because I'm the idiot that had to go through everything for not listening, right? It was like, man, they're getting smarter. And I became a bigger idiot in reverse, right? It was just like, I was, I was the one. When I was 18 years old, was I 18? Yeah, I was 18 years old. 1998. It was 1998. And I wanted a new truck. I had a truck, and it had been good to me. I'd had it for a couple of years. When, whenever I graduated, we took it and got it fixed up. Got my dad, my stepdad hauled it off to Abilene, got the motor rebuilt, and got it, you know, brought back and repainted, new upholstery inside, everything. And I drove it for a couple of years, and, and that thing was awesome. I, I really enjoyed that truck. But, I, but I'd been working and wanted something a little bit newer and everything and and but I, I liked uh, I liked the little truck I liked um, a, a Ford Ranger and and so I knew someone that had a Ford Ranger and so I wanted a Ford Ranger and and they had it like an extended cab and and so I went to a, a certain dealership in in town and I worked it out because I was 18 years old and when, when you're 18 years old you have everything figured out, and you are the smartest person on the planet, and that was me, and so if I was 18 and you were 18, I was just a little bit smarter than you, and, knew, and especially if you were an adult, I was way smarter than you, and if you don't believe me, just ask me, and I will tell you how smart I am and how much wisdom I carry that was just a gift from the Lord and it was a bunch of crock. It was just a big old crock. But I went down to the dealership and worked it out. I had it all figured out, had the, had the vehicle that I needed, uh, that I wanted, had all the features that I wanted, had everything. Now, here's the problem. When you're 18 years old, you're limited on your funds, and they don't really trust you. The bank doesn't trust you. Like, yeah, kid, I know you think that you're $200 a month like you're banking, but we don't trust that you're going to make this payment for the next five years. So we want something called a cosigner. No problem. My parents, yeah, they'll cosign. No big deal. Sign on the dotted line. So I, I arrange this thing and, and I get home. My mom's like, yeah, sure. Just talk to your dad. That's never a good sign. And I should have known that then, but now I know it now, right? Talk yeah, yeah, mom. When mom says, uh, talk to your dad, that's not good. All right. I'm just telling you right now. And so 
And so I go to talk to my stepdad, and he's like, okay, well, now, okay, you work this out. This is the deal. This is what's going on. Let me talk to the general manager. Okay, because I've worked it all out. I'm sure y'all will work out the same thing. Makes the phone call. They're on the phone. My dad asks some questions. The guy gets defensive. My dad says, well, I just want to clarify everything, make sure everything's on the up and up because you're trying to sell my son a truck. I want to make sure. And the guy says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not trying to sell him a truck. He's trying to buy a truck from me. Complete attitude. Well, if you know my dad, you know that that was not going to fly very far. Like they say, it went over like a lead balloon. And so it did not go very far. So he says, you know what? Forget you. Maybe a little bit more colorful words. But we're not buying a truck from you. And I am in the other room. And I'm furious. How could this man ruin my deal? Everything in my life was going good until he stepped in and ruined the deal of a lifetime. And I was mad and I was furious. And my mom, like the precious Holy Spirit that she tries to be, comes to comfort me and console me. And I'm not having it. I'm so angry, and how dare he? And now I'm going back years. Forget the truck. It's everything. Never let me wear the shoes I wanted to wear. Made me tuck in my shirt. Let me just whatever, the haircut. I went into everything that this man has ruined of me. Now, I had to let it go because I still needed him to co-sign for me on something, even if it wasn't that one. But man, I'm furious, I'm fuming. In fact, I went to another dealership and I said, you know what, forget the stupid Ford Ranger, I'm gonna go somewhere else. I went there with a bit of rage. I get kicked out of that place. They had to escort me off the property. I kid you not. It was a Jeep dealership, and they were not happy with me, and I was ready to fight all of them. I, like, I was just so mad about this dumb Ford Ranger. A few weeks go by, maybe it's a couple of months, I'm still fuming, and I go to a different dealership, actually out of town. I go to New Braunfels, and I go to a dealership there, and I'm like... I'm just telling you that they treated me so differently there. They treated me like I was a human being. They can't, they, yes, sir. Now that's the way I should be talked to. I'm 18 years old. I got it together. Yes, sir. That's the, I mean, but it was like, wait a minute. There was something different about this place. There was something different about the experience. There was something different about everything. 
and I had to look at it for what it was. I still had to call my dad. Can I get the truck? This is the deal. Do you need to talk to the guy? <laughs> this time I, I did it while I was in the office, you know. My mom actually came down and, and signed and did everything. But my dad was guarding me. And it did not look like love. It looked like he was taking something from me that looked so good. Now, I still got my Ford Ranger. I got a better deal. I got better features. I did. It was everything that I wanted and more. But he guarded me against being taken advantage of. And I was so stupid and so blind to see that. All I could see was everything that was wrong with him. Now, I would love to say that from that day forward, I put all my trust in him. Not true. How many more things in my life, and I can say this, it's hard to say it, but how many things in my life could I have saved myself from if I would have recognized what true love was? It wasn't him patting me on the back. It wasn't him pulling me close and I love you, son. We weren't chums, but he was guarding me. And how many times did I fight that love because it did not look like what I wanted it to look like? It did not, the guarding did not look like love. It looked like instead of giving, which is what I wanted, just give, 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 give. Now he was guarding me. How, how many things in my life, how many people and relationships did he say, uh-uh, I don't want you hanging around that guy. I don't want you being with that girl. I don't want you doing that. I was like, whatever. That I look back in retrospect and say, golly, that wasn't just my stepdad. That was the Lord working through him. And had I walked in, in obedience like I should have, being honoring to my father, honoring to my mother, it, was, it wasn't just about the physical person in front of me. It was, no, God saying, I put this authority in place. This is what I'm going to use. If you reject that, you've rejected me. I'm not going to do it another way. You're going to have to learn the hard way. How many things did I learn the hard way? Because love did not look like what I wanted to look like. It wasn't the heart-shaped box. It wasn't the candies. It wasn't the gifts. It wasn't, it wasn't all those things that we call love. It was guarding. And there's things that God wants to guard you from. How many of things have you, have you done in your life that later on you look at the scripture and you're like, oh my gosh. If I'd have known that earlier or if I'd have seen that earlier or if I would have listened to that earlier, where, how much further in my life where would I be? 
How many heartaches, how many tears could I have saved by learning that, you know what? Love is not single dimensional. It's not just give me, give me. It's love gives. It's love guards. It's love corrects. It's love inspires. It's all of those things. And if we try to put it in one little box and one little, one little dimension, we miss out on so much because we don't want to know an aspect of God's love. We want to walk in the fullness of his love. And we've got to be able to do that for the people that we love. And God says, not just love the people that are close to you, but love your enemies. How many times have we taken advantage of an opportunity to love our neighbor by guarding their reputation? Instead of maybe honing in on, ooh, now this is my chance to tell everybody how this person really is. I'm not talking about covering up. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about doing it if, 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 if you can't, if, you're, if it doesn't profit the other person to talk about it, then don't talk about it. If it's, if it's not handling something or, or changing something for the better, if it's just you just like blabbing out, that's not, that's not guarding. That's not guarding. We guard. We, gotta, we guard reputations. We guard, you know, we guard things. We guard people. We guard. Every, we guard. There's guards that we put. There's things that we need to put in place. And it's not just, and I'm, that's what I'm saying is, here's the gauge. It's not just something that you do for those that you, you love. It's you, the ones, I mean, as far as like the, the ones that you love with affection and your friends and all. I'm talking about how do, we, how do we act with our enemies? Are we loving them? Are our actions corresponding to a guarding atmosphere even with the ones that we don't love or, or, or hate? Or despise. But God says, no, 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 they're your enemy. You still got to love them. Can you love them in this action? And this is a hard one to grasp. This is sometimes, this is, it, there's some that are easy to receive and hard to give. This one sometimes is hard to receive and hard to give. Because how many times did I, have I rejected God's guard, guarding over me? And then how many times have I had an opportunity to guard something and I rejected it? Like, no, this is my opportunity. Because now that they're down, that puts me up. And so it happens. It, it happens. So we got to guard those. We got to guard those. God says, guard your enemies. Guard those you love. And he'll work things out. He'll work things out. You're saying, yeah, but this is my opportunity. No, no, no. There's, there's going to be an opportunity. But every opportunity that you follow needs to be an opportunity in love. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Father, we thank you. I thank you, Lord God, as we continue to go forward. Lord, just even as we read in Exodus, Lord, you are guarding your people. You are guarding your anointed one. You are guarding, our, the, at the time, our future Savior in Jesus. You, you had guards up, and it did not always look good. And even today, there's people that you've put in our life to guard us, 
to say, oh, no, 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 you're going to stay away from that. You're going to stay away from this person. You're gonna, and, and, and Lord, I, I thank you, Lord God, that we would not reject it as this person. And Lord, that we would learn to look to you and say, Lord, is, is this from you? Are you trying to tell me something? Because this doesn't look right. This doesn't look like what I thought. But Lord, is, are you trying to love me in this manner? And Lord, are you giving me opportunities to love even my enemies by guarding Father, I thank you that this week that we would recognize guarding, that we would recognize your love. And before we say, I love you, Lord, that we would understand the cost because love is not empty. Love is not in, it just a, a, a good intention. Love is action. Love gives, love guards, love corrects, love inspires. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, if this message or any of the content that we've been putting out has blessed you and you're wondering how you can partner with us in generosity, there are a couple ways to do that. You can download the PushPay app and you can search Marigold Church and you can give that way. You can also set up reoccurring giving and it's really user-friendly. It makes it really easy to give. You can also text Marigold to 77977 and give that way. We believe God moves through a generous heart and so we would love to see what God does through you as you partner with us and as we walk through this journey together.